Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. We kick things off by addressing the burning question that's been in all of our minds. Did Kevin O'Connell make the right call sticking with Josh Dobbs as our starter at quarterback, especially after a tough night against Chicago? Hello, everybody. I'm Dave Stefano, and I welcome you to another episode of Two Old Bloggers. Joining me is my co-host, Darren Campbell. Today, we delve into the fascinating topics surrounding your beloved Minnesota Vikings. We'll weigh in on the controversial decision and discuss its implications for our team. Next, we're going to shift our focus to the defensive side of the ball, where Brian the Maestro Flores has been orchestrating some impressive performances. We'll explore how his leadership and creative scheme has transformed our defense and led to some standout performances from our players. Same players who last year didn't look that good. And then finally... We'll look ahead at our upcoming game against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are under the guidance of interim head coach Antonio Pierce, have shown a remarkable resilience. Translation, they've won some football games. And we'll discuss how the Vikings can best approach this challenge. So buckle up, Vikings fans. We've got quite the episode in store for you today. 
Let's get it started. And as always, go Vikings! Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers! Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren over there where your two old bloggers been commenting publicly on your Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece. How are things in the great white north there, Darren? Just ducky, David. How about you and Austin? Everything's fine, except for, for some reason, my sound system isn't working as it's supposed to. I am uh, not hearing you via my headset, where, so we're faking it. <laughs> I've got you coming in over my computer speakers, and hopefully that will not cause an echo of any sort, but we'll find out if it does. I want to welcome everybody that's in the chat already. There's a ton of you, too many to name, but honestly, we welcome you here, and we're glad you're here on this Sunday, or Saturday to talk Vikings football, because that's what Score, we're here buddy. Yes, and Skull. What are you drinking? It looked like a stag or something on the side of that. It's uh from NWT Brewing Company, the only craft brewery in the Northwest Territories. Uh, five Antlers Ale. Okay. Uh, it's uh, and uh, pr- proceeds of the of these um, this brew a portion of it goes to uh, protecting caribou in the Northwest Territories. Uh, so worthy cause. Okay, and not a bad beer either. I saw a film this week where uh, polar bears like caribou very much. <laughs> not as pets. No, they, they they'll they'll take the caribou down. Uh, they uh, seals are usually their preferred uh, choice of food, but uh, caribou will do just nicely as well if they can get them. All right. Well, let's get this show started. As you can see, we've got the title there. Did Kevin O'Connell make the right call? And that leads us into theme one. The right call? Well, Jason has already uh, weighed in on Jason Winger's already weighed in on that. Uh, he thinks Jaron Hall should be starting. Uh, but uh, but yeah, after uh, Wednesday, after oh, just over a week after J- Josh Dobbs' terrible, horrible, no good, very bad performance, horrific performance against the Bears, Kevin O'Connell made it official and said he's going to stick with, with the Josh Dobbs experience, Josh Dobbs experience for at least one more game. Uh, and uh, so, uh, yeah, the question is, did Kevin O'Connell make the right call in making that decision? And, and I think I, I, my first thing on this is like, um, Dave, I think that there in this case, there is no really slam dunk right decision here. <laughs> I think it's maybe just, just less of a bad one that Kevin O'Connell could make, if that makes any sense. It, it just in, in the fa- and what I mean by that is that you've got we got three quarterbacks right now that we're we got on the roster. Two of them are firmly look like they're firmly entrenched as kind of backup career backup kind of guys. And then and we don't have you know, I think the best case scenario if you got somebody like Kirk Cousins who goes down, your starter, your undisputed starter, is that uh you've got a hot shot first rounder quarterback of the future who's you know sitting behind the starter and you didn't maybe wanted to give him a year of seasoning or development and not have to play in and then you can 
and you can move him in there uh, and see what you got in the future. But also, he's he's a number one rated, highly rated quarterback. You know, first rounder, second rounder um, was going to be your starter anyway. Jaron Hall, I don't think is that guy. He's a he's a fifth rounder. We took a flyer on him. He's got some talent. But we took a flyer on the fifth round. No fifth rounders ever really amounted to anything in the NFL as a starter. You, you went over those those numbers a little while ago. So that's what I mean by there's no right decision here. That's Nobody is going to provide, I think, the kind of level of play that Kirk Cousins provided before he went down. Uh, and we're going to get a lesser level of play probably. And that's just the state of the Vikings. That's where we're at at the quarterback position right now. But you got to roll with somebody. And Josh Dobbs is the guy that we're going to roll with tomorrow at least for a while <laughs> um i you know which was a bit surprising to me i think because we talked about it last week dave we went through all of the options the pros and cons for mullins for hall for dobbs um i thought based you know the way kevin o'connell was talking about uh, what the things that he was saying on after the game monday night and then tuesday the next day to me he sounded like a guy and i said it last week that he was ready to move on from Dobbs that, and he was probably going to go with Mullins. Well, he didn't do that. And I think why didn't he do that is probably after a week of reflection and, and by the way, at his presser Wednesday, Kevin O'Connell looked like shit. <laughs> he looked like he hardly had any sleep all week and his voice was as hoarse as could be. I wonder there must've been some loud discussions on, on this topic, I imagine. <laughs> so uh, I think that the, you know, the, with, uh, he, I think it came down to this. Josh Dobbs, his highs are really high. You talked about it last week, Dave, about some of the incredible plays he can make with his legs, even with his arms sometimes. like his The lows are like really low. They're like Christian Ponder in Seattle in 2012 low. But the highs, again, can be pretty spectacular. And I, felt, I think he feels that the Viking staff, himself in particular, they can, they can coach him and get more of the highs out of him and less of the lows. And yeah, Nick Mullins is solid backup uh, for sure. Uh, but you don't have the, you don't have the mobility with him. You don't have the arm strength that you have with Dobbs. And even he has been a guy who's been turnover prone in much of his career, almost as many interceptions as touchdown passes in his career. And Jaron Hall is a guy that, you know, I think, Dave, that if the people that wanted him to start and were dead set against him starting, I think that there's, it's kind of the shiny new toy syndrome and that, uh, you know, it's the whole, the, the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback of the NFL team. Well, for the Vikings, it's the backup to the backup to the backup who's the most popular guy, it, it seems. So I, with, with Jaron Hall, you just, you don't, like, he's an un, he's an unknown. Like, he has no well, track record I think that's the fascination on Hall. He's unknown. Yes. We saw one good drive, and everybody's like, oh, cool. Can we see more? Yes. And Drew said it below, and we said it last week. Um, There was no way that Kevin O'Connell in a playoff race was going to give the keys to his offense to Jaron Hall if he had other uh, choices, more experienced Mm -hmm. choices. And I think that's what's happened. Um, and I I understand the decision to go with Hall. Sorry, not Hall, but Dobbs. I understand the decision. I support it. And I think it was the right call in this case. Um, and I think for Dobbs, you know, the key thing for him is he's going to have to learn. And, and Kevin O'Connell this week talked about, 
you know, how during the bye week he sat down with Dobbs and they went over film and they talked about tweaking the offense a bit, which is all you can do at this point. You can't have a major transformation of your offense, no matter who's at quarterback uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And, and I think that he, for Dobbs, he's got to try not to do too much right now. Like mm-hmm. those plays where he's getting sacked and he's throwing the ball as he's, you know, high up like he did against the Bears and those kind of things. Uh, he looked like a guy, and it's been mentioned by other people on other shows I watch. He looked like a guy who's like, I don't know when I'm going to get my chance again to be a starting quarterback. So I got to make something happen every play, even if it looks like, like sometimes, even if it looks like it's, there's no chance of a play happening. Like you've got to learn. Um, Jeremiah Searles talked about this in the video cast this week. He's got to learn that sometimes a sack is okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes that's the only thing that's, that's the best thing that's going to come out of this play. So don't try to do something and make it worse. <laughs> uh, and, and that's some of the things that he was doing against Chicago and, and at, at Dobbs is worse. Those are some of the things that you've seen. Now, the flip side is, is that he, sometimes he's tried to make plays and, and you and I, you were watching the game. We're going, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And then he, he like escapes 10 tacklers and runs for a touchdown. So there's, mm-hmm. there's those plays with Dobbs too, but, but you know, but we just need a right now. I think we need a quarterback who doesn't get in the offense's way, can make the simple throws, doesn't turn over the ball hand over fist. And I think if we get that quarterback play tomorrow and in the final four games, the Vikings, especially with the defense they got rolling right now, Dave, I think they're going to be all right. Now, now we'll get to see whether Dobbs is that guy. I think the leash is going to be pretty, pretty short tomorrow and in future games. Uh, but, you know, I think this was the right decision. He's Dobbs has got the best upside of any of these three guys right now. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the downside is really down, but th- that's what I feel. Dave would be interested to hear your thoughts on this as well. No, Cause I know. Off, got oh yeah. I have them. All right. Um, first off, Jason Winger, Dave, you're wrong. I pointed out before that Tom Brady was a six round pick. What have I said about Tom Brady? I don't think I've said anything about Tom Brady. What I said was no fifth-round picks in the history of the modern NFL since the Super Bowl have become franchise quarterbacks. None. Zero. It's a big, fat zero. There's been some that have started, but there's none of them that have become uh, franchise quarterbacks. There have been some six-rounders and some seventh-rounders. But if you look at the history of the quarterback and you graph it out, it's it's below the zero line. The fifth rounders, it's it's that black hole. There has been none. Does that mean that Hall cannot become that? No, that doesn't mean that. I'm just saying that since the Super Bowl era, there has been none, zero, nada, that have reached what you would consider a franchise quarterback level. And that's... the. Look it up yourself. There's there's none. Zero. And so, does that mean he can't? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that uh, you've got to be either round one, two, or three, or seven or, or six or seven. But five has always been a zero. It's just, one, yeah, two, it's three, just four. a historical fact that kind of, you know, when you look at what's the likelihood of a quarterback making it in X round, well, look at how many have made it in the fifth round, and there have been zero. So, the 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 odds are against Jaron Hall doing it. Again, like you said, doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Doesn't mean he could be our starter in two years. And I'd be quite happy and, with that. if he And could that develop he, into the next Tom yeah. Brady. Who knows? But it, yes. it just means as of today, that hasn't happened. 
But anyway, Dave, hmm. who's your choice for the quarterback for the Vikings? The smart choice is Dobbs. Mm-hmm. I may personally want to see Hall because I want to see Hall. Um, and I think there's upside there. But the smart choice is Dobbs. Dobbs, when he came in on the Atlanta game, almost instantly won over the locker room, right, with his performance. A quarterback's got to be a leader for the most part. And this is one of the things I've detracted on Kirk Cousins, especially early. You've got to be able to command that locker room and have those guys follow you. And they bought in, and they bought in quickly after those first two games. If you suddenly bust that up, you can cause a rift in the locker room. Now, one of the things that Kevin O'Connell said is he talked to team leadership, meaning player leadership. He probably asked them who you want. They want to go with Dobbs. The players want to go with whoever gives them the best chance to win. And of all the players, they're saying Dobbs is that man. you got to stick with Dobbs no matter what. They're willing mm-hmm. to fight for him. If, you know, you suddenly say, no, Mullins is the guy because we know we can be, you know, nice and steady and conservative and, you know, it's he's the backup. Or, you know, or if Mullen, or if they want to go at Hall, it's the rookie and you have no idea. No. Dobbs is the correct answer to this. And what KOC did with Dobbs this last week or two weeks, where they had the meeting of the minds, they watched tape together and why they haven't done that before. I got to give it to KOC. At least he did it now instead of waiting four years to do it. <laughs> um, but watch tape together and read, you know, get both point of views. What is Dobbs seeing? During a specific play, you know, why did he make the decision to do what he did? Um, If it's turn his back and run backwards, that's bad. Get to fix that. But if it's I decided not to go to this read because I saw this or I went here, Kevin O'Connell can go, I see this and I see this open and your next move should be here. That coaching, that's real productive type of coaching at that point where they're getting each man is learning how each one thinks and they can modify Kevin can coach and say no I need you to do this or Dobbs could say I'm doing it this way because and Kevin could go that makes sense I'm going to integrate that into my game plan we're going to adjust how we play I'm going to adjust it so it features you more because this is a good idea from your perspective and we're going to do that. And it's a, it's a give and take, but it's a very healthy way of doing that with a quarterback that isn't a superstar, Hall of Fame bound type of deal. So if they're doing that now, I think that bodes well. And like I said, I think the players want Dobbs. They want Dobbs. You want a nice, cohesive locker room. Let's go with Dobbs. Now, if Dobbs blows it, all bets are off. If and and we all got the impression this week that the lease is relatively short. Okay, that's fine. But I don't think you're going to get much better with Mullins. 
I, like I said, the only upside is the unknown, and the unknown is Hall. And we only saw that one good drive from him, and everybody was excited. And so, you know, it's going to take losing a couple games and basically getting us out of the playoffs before they go, all right, this season's basically over. We can't get in. Jaron Hall's now the quarterback for the rest of the year. But we're not at that point yet. And no. we're very much in the game to secure a playoff spot, whether it be wild card or if we win out and Detroit loses one, we win the division. You know, it's it's all in play. So they're want to go with the players want to win. The players want to get to the playoffs. The players want to win as much as possible. They want to go all the way to the Super Bowl. And they feel uh, out of the bunch, Dobbs is the best choice. I got to go with that because I've been in a locker room. I know how that feels. You go with that because they're going to bust, you know, their butts to make that even better. So Dobbs is the correct answer. I just want to say one more thing, David, because I forgot to bring it up earlier when I was in, in my in my rambling, rambling musings. But, uh, you know, that if the question is, what kind of quarterback are you going to get with Dobbs? And we'll talk about that later. But I think when you look at Dobbs, uh, people keep bringing up, oh, well, his last two games, or at least some people bring up his last two games, he, he was the reason the Vikings lost. Well, I, again, we, I talked about this last week. I don't think the Denver game he played bad. I thought he played pretty good. Yeah, he had two turnovers, but one of them, like he didn't fumble. Alex, he's got no responsibility for Alexander Madison fumbling when we're on the on the way for at least getting a field goal that would have ended up being the difference between winning and losing in that game. Um, yeah, he fumbled one one, and that's on him. The interception was on Ty Chandler again. Like that was a he didn't see the guy coming from his blind side, and his arm got hit, and it was a floater, and it got picked off deep in our. But that's not Josh Dobbs's problem, I don't think. Otherwise, he threw for 220 yards. Uh, again, we outgained Denver on offense by o- over 100 yards, and the running game was great. I think if if I think that with Dobbs playing at that level, if you can get the running game going like that, that's the kind of offense that KOC would like to see over the next five games, um, where both the passing game and the running game are, are equally effective. And so, I don't think that the, the Denver people are basing his saying he played poor in the Denver game because of the result, not because of how he actually played. Now, again, the Chicago game was horrible. That can't be unseen, and you, you can't forget that. But I think three of the four games that he's played, he's played well enough for us to win, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I, I think so. And, you know, last week, two of those interceptions were bouncing off receivers' hands. And, and then I have a hard got- time blaming that on the quarterback. Yeah, but and then there was a pick six that got dropped. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was yeah. all on Dobbs. But anyway, yeah. But everybody, every quarterback throws interceptions. Oh yes, you just uh, try to limit those. We'll find out. Um, Jason thinks we're going to lose the next two games with Dobbs. It would be something because we're going to get into how good that Raiders defense is, especially their secondary. And if we lose to them. We should hey, put it that way. We said it several weeks ago when Cousins went down. You're playing with house money here, mm-hmm. really. Like, yeah. there, there should be no expectations that your very few teams are going to lose their starting quarterback 
and end up making the playoffs. And the the Vikings are there. Whether they make it or not, I don't know. And a lot of it, again, is going to depend on how Dobbs play or whoever ends up being the starting quarterback beyond here plays. And right now, you can't really have a whole lot of... um, I I understand the... Is my heart going to be in my throat every time Josh Dobbs drops back to pass tomorrow? You're fucking right it will be. (laughs) Every time Greg Joseph kicks, lines up for a 32-yard field goal. It's like... Yeah, yeah. So, that, but, you know, it is what it is, as the pro athletes like to say all the time. And a person that may have had a more significant layer of influence than even some of the other players in the locker room may have been that man over there. Oh, you J- better believe it. JJ's back. So he may have said, no, I don't want Mullins. Mm-hmm. Or I'd rather Dobbs. Right. Or mm-hmm. i rather. Yeah, that would be the polite way of saying it. But yes. who knows? Well, that brings us to theme two, unless you have any last nope. words on the quarterback choice. No, I said my piece. Okay. Now on to theme two. Flores and his defense. The maestro. Mm-hmm. The now, this is a fun one. It is, yes. Uh, now we, it's it's not news to anybody who's watching the show that Flores has done a fantastic job with the Vikings defense. You just got to look at the numbers, right? Like right now, they're currently eighth in the league in points against and eighth in DVOA, if you believe in that kind of metric stuff. Last year, under Ed Donatel, the Vikings were 28th and 24th, respectively, in those categories. And you're going to put up a bunch of numbers or defensive numbers uh, later on, Dave, that um, are pretty good right now overall, no matter any way you look at it for the Vikings defense. Um, So, you know, just looking at that uh, and just what you're watching game to game from this Vikings defense right now, it's pretty clear they're like miles ahead of where they were last year and playing like it's unbelievable. Like I hate to use like a, uh, what Brian Flores has done to use Chris Collinsworth's favorite word has been remarkable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's true. And uh, here I've got Luke Braun up here and I will first off hat tip Luke Braun. Luke Braun's been writing on this all week and there's a bunch of good stuff. And if you want to watch this video on his defense, we'll get more into it. It's posted in the uh, remarks below. And you can go there and find it. But Luke says, as of week four, this defense is second in the NFL. And they were what? In some metrics last year, 32nd? Yeah. That's that's an amazing turnaround. And it's not that the talent has increased. We've got mostly the same people. We got rid of a few of the older guys. But it's... Pretty much. And as Jonathan says, Chicago didn't score a single touchdown. Not one. Nope. They did not. Um, And along with Luke writing about the Vikings defense under Flores, Kevin Seifert, ESPN beat writer. (laughs) He did a really good job. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's another favorite one. But uh, Seifert, Kevin Seifert wrote a story about Flores and this Vikings defense about eight 
nine days ago. Um, you sent it to me, Dave, and said, hey, this is really interesting. It was a great article. Uh, many others here may have read it as well. If not, you, you should probably check it out. But it, he, he went on and since he had some showed some defensive metrics for the Vikings as well that show that they're even better than eighth. In the, and since week four, they're a top five defense and better in a lot of metrics points against and, and, and other sort of things. So um, you know, that, that was interesting for him to bring that up. He also brought up uh, some pretty interesting points in the story. The, the main one being that, you know, if you're wondering why Brian Flores is so good in his story, he pointed out that Flores has, Instead of using as instead of using, we all know he the Vikings blitz a lot. Flores likes to blitz, but what Flores has done is that he's taken uh, has turned the like the blitz defensive rules and coverage and turned them on their head. Whereas it's traditionally been, and we thought this was going to be the case when he got hired, is that oh the Vikings are going to play a lot of man coverage. They're going to do zero blitzes. Well, Flores ain't doing that. He's running basically zone. Uh, under the, the the blitzing that he's doing, which NFL defenses do not do consistently or at all, uh, they're they're also uh, Stephen pointed out they're they they've got the most they're blitzing the most of, of anybody in the NFL, and they're also using the most three man pressures of anybody in the NFL. So it's kind of like opposites there. Um, what was also interesting is that, and I think this is again what makes for such an interesting guy is that. He didn't get this idea from Bill Belichick, who he mentored under, or any other defensive coach. He got it from uh, Pat Narduzzi from the University of Pittsburgh, a college coach. He got part and, of it. He got the yeah. zone portion of the backfield from Narduzzi. And I think that, you know, that is very interesting because you've... Flores here is looking beyond the NFL to come up with ways to make himself a better coach and to make his defense a better defense and i think that you know that's key for any coach in the nfl is to be constantly learning constantly evolving staying ahead of the curve and looking at and so he has gone and gone to a level of football that is inferior to the nfl for solutions to problems at the nfl level and i think that's smart that kind of reminds me of like something that gino oriema the hall of fame basketball coach for university of connecticut women's coach gold medal winner and, you know, 100 games won or whatever UConn did, multiple NCAA Division One championships. But in a coaching clinic, I was watching him talk, and he said that he, when he goes on recruiting trips for players, he pays attention not only to the players but the high school coaches. And he does that because he, he says he learns things from the high school coaches. And why? Because they don't get to recruit players in a lot of cases. They, they got to take what they're given at the high school, and they have to win – uh, sometimes with some not very good players. And so, you know, that takes some talent, that takes strategy, that takes good coaching. And and so he says he learns from that. And that's what Flores is doing uh, as well. He's, again, he's not just looking at the NFL and, hey, what's going on here? What's, what's so-and-so doing? What's Belichick doing? He's looking beyond the NFL to, again, get better and, again, to innovate, to advance as a coach, to develop as a coach, to come up with ways to solve problems at the NFL level. And I think that's key for any NFL coach. I think the other thing this year that shows what a great coach he is is that just how many – he's taken players who were okay last year or not very good, and he's got them playing superbly. Uh, and Before we go there, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show something real quick. We talk Excellent. about Seifert's story. Seifert's story 
was what kicked off Luke Braun in his investigation. And okay. like I said, go watch his video on it. It's an hour and 45 minutes. He And he gets way deep. Or he gets deeper than you expect. But there was a graphic. He said, take a screenshot and show it. We've always heard, what does he play? A 4-3 or a 3-4? And it turns out it's neither. Yes. And he, it was always, well, who am I playing? Mm -hmm. Luke charted all the different defenses. He gave some of them names, some of them he knew the names for. And this is what they look like. Base, nickel, nickel, dime, dime, penny, penny. Penny dime, dollar, right? <laughs> and he put it out by numbers. And there's not a single one in there that you will find a true 4-3 or a true 3-4. Even if you count the edges as linebackers, the closest you could get was the base and say that Daniil Hunter and Davenport were technically linebackers and that would be a 3-4. But... Look at those combinations. Most of them are with two linebackers. You know, we have a few with just one and one with all three if Asamoah can get healthy. But look at all the defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back combinations he's used. No other team in the NFL does that. None. Zero. What he is doing is brand new. And whether it's the combination of what he's learned over time and then the taking implementing zone concepts, because normally on a blitz, when you got zero blitz and heavy blitzing, normally on a blitz... You're going into man-on-man -man type of defensive coverage. What he's done is taken Narduzzi's um, gap or uh, zone principles and applied them to man-on-man -man situations. And he's messing with people. Now, the goal of all that on that big, beautiful pink slide that Luke Braun made is they want to get six guys up on the line of scrimmage. That's optimum. Sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's nine, sometimes it's ten. But at least six on the line, whether they're linebackers that step up or safeties that step up, Metellus, uh, Hitman, whomever, they want to get those guys up there because it's causing the problem, as we've talked before, with the linemen calling their blocking schemes, with the quarterback seeing... Who's coming? Who's going? Who's stepping up? Who's going out? And literally, this has not been done before at the college level, at the high school level, or at the pro level. What he's invented this year is new. Now, it took concepts from, you know, those various locations. But what he's doing this year is new. And when you get from, we had the worst or close to the damn worst defense in the league last year, supposedly running, you know, a Fangio-style defense that only seems to be run well by Fangio and one other guy, to now 
where a lot of places it's a top five defense, period. That is amazing for what he's done. Now, you're getting into what has he done for the players that he's working with. Yeah, there's, as I said, that there's several players I can name. It hasn't worked for everybody now. Uh, Pat Jones comes to mind, uh, and Byron Murphy would be another one. But there's several players on this team that were on the on the defense, like on on this defense last year under Domtel that didn't play very well, or uh, or uh, they played fine, but they're playing better now. And and again, I think what's the difference? Well, Flores is here. I don't know. In a lot of cases, I don't really have a theory on why that's the case. Uh, it's been mentioned below. I think uh, that um, you know he's, and we've talked about it before that he, he he's he's come up with roles for guys that suit their strengths, which is what a smart coach would do. But uh, like like if you're looking at Jordan Hicks was. Uh, I thought a liability last year for our defense under Domtel. Well, he was having, I thought, a Pro Bowl kind of year. Wouldn't have made the Pro Bowl, mind you, but game in and game out, I was seeing I was seeing Pro Bowl play from Jordan Hicks before he got hurt. And you know, again, what was the difference? Well, he was playing under Brian Flores this year, not Ed Donatel. Um, you're looking at Daniil Hunter now. Not to say, this is a guy who he yes, he played well last year, uh, but slow starting. But I think he's consistently been a, more of a force this year under Flores than he was under Ed Donatel. And maybe somebody's going to mention below about yeah, because they're not dropping him into coverage all the time now. <laughs> that's well, that's part thing. of it. Yeah, um, but he's an, a guy. Um, Cam Bynum, another guy, was so-so last year, one of the top-rated safeties according to Pro Football Focus this year, uh, just a steady presence, not a splash play guy, but but you know he's having his best year of his career. Josh Metellus would be one of those guys where Flores took a guy who was a reserve last year and, and said, hey, buddy, have I got the role for you? And what the role for him is is that he's not quite a safety, he's not quite a linebacker, he's not quite a nickel, he's does all three and they send him on the blitz like a ton and he's very effective at it. And he, again, like to me, he's the defensive MVP for the Vikings this year. Um, he's a guy I notice all the time doing stuff and doing good stuff. Uh, even Harrison Phillips is much more effective this year, I think uh, in his role. And even a guy like quiet role player last year, I would have said a waste of space. Jonathan Bullard has actually been, you know, solid for us. And again, what's the common denominator there and all those things is that the difference between last year and this year, well, it's Flo. Flo is coaching them, coaching them up. He somehow squeezed, D- yeah, sorry, DJ Wanham is another guy who I feel has been playing much better this year than he did last year, much more effective. And all of those guys are, Flores has coaxed better play out of them. Pace has thrived. Exactly, Aaron. Um, and, you know, maybe that wouldn't, to me, I think Pace is the kind of talent where he would have been pretty good wherever he was uh just mm-hmm. because of the way he plays but yeah he's for an undrafted rookie free agent to come in and and be the guy that flora's trust to call the plays now that jordan hicks is out and be on the field as much as he has this year um i don't think he would have got there if not for the coaching he's gotten from from and being under brian flores and being used the right way and that's just a sign of a good coach when you can get the best out of the players that you're given. And like you said, in those cases, like all those guys. Yes, yes. There's all those guys were here last year, except for Pace, and they didn't play nearly as well as they're playing now. And so a lot of com- a couple of comments about there how about like, yeah, well, so what happens now? Like 
if, if Flores becomes a head coach, he's certainly going to get interest. What do the Vikings do? And the whole thing about, even I've thought about it is like, you know, Hey, you know, maybe uh, we could let KLC go and <laughs> keep Flores. Um, that'd be a, a tough choice, which, which is kind of what everybody points to the, the old, remember Chile after 2006, uh-huh. Tomlin, Tomlin leaves for the P- Pittsburgh after two, in 2007 and is on a hall of fame tr- trajectory as a coach. And well, Chile is not on a Hall of Fame trajectory. <laughs> I don't even know what Chile's doing nowadays. Um, oh yeah, he never, doesn't even have a job with his buddy Andy Reid anymore. No, I, uh, he's doing something. I read something about it a year or two ago that he's off doing something totally different, consulting or something yeah, like that. Yes, yeah. there's always room for a consultant. Um, but. What Flores has done is outstanding. Now, if he's gone next year, yes, we hope there's somebody there. Uh, Durante Jones, hopefully somebody. They've got to keep somebody that will keep implementing this defense because we're going to hear about, you know, we heard about the Buddy Ryan defense for the 85 Bears, and that stuck. And there's certain schemes that get attached to the name of the person that they did it, and this is going to be one of those. It's going to be the Flores defense, and hopefully, you know, just like the Fangio defense, hopefully he isn't the only one that can do it. So when he leaves, he's left a mentor that knows it as well as he does and knows the principles on how to adjust and learn. I don't know if that's the case. I'm hoping, hoping that the Vikes get to keep him this year. You know, that all the negative stuff about the blackballing and all this and all that, and that he doesn't want to go to some schlub franchise because the owners suck, that he stays here for at least for another year. But you never know. I think um, San Diego would be a great landing spot for Brian Flores. Whereas, because... Uh, and 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 you know how it goes where teams have got a defensive coach and the defensive coach gets fired. Uh, they tend to look to the offense, but the offense in in Los Angeles for the Chargers is not broken. <laughs> it's the defense <laughs> that's the problem there. And so bringing in Flo would be an obvious as your head coach would be obvious because he can let keep Kellen Moore and let them. They've got Herbert. They got Mike Williams. They got Keenan Allen. They got Austin Eckler. They should be okay, and as long as you got a good OC, uh, then Flores takes over the defense. But I'm I'm hoping that don't happen. I'm hoping that Flores is back with us next year to build on what he's built on. Because, like you said, who replaces him? And if it's Durante Jones, my question isn't just um, like uh, yeah, knowing the system, but like can they do what Flores has done? Is evolve and come up with like be innovative and do things that the league is not ready for, which is what Flores has done this year. And apparently is a big reason why we've gone from like uh, defense bottom. is one of the top three worst in the in the or you know bottom three in the league to a top ten defense. Remarkable. Remarkable. Yes, and as we all know, offense wins during the season, gets to the playoffs. Generally, defense wins championships. We've all heard that saying a bazillion times. If we get that far in the playoffs. I think it's going to be because of our defense. Yeah, our offense is going to have to play well, without a doubt. But I think it's going to be because of the defense, and I think we have the right man for that, coaching that side of the ball. So, and there's more on 
more people will look into it. But like I suggest, you've read the, the article from Seifert. Go read Luke's. Well, to read Luke's, you have to go on. A, you have to be a Substack subscriber to Arif Hassan's Substack Wide Left. Luke writes for him as well. He's got a written piece over there, but the video piece is on Patreon and it's open to the public. Go watch it. It's a little over an hour and forty five minutes. He breaks it oh. down and goes through all of that, and uh, <laughs> it's it's not PhD level deep, but it's not. As he called it, it's a 201 class, and you'll learn a lot. But if you don't know what an over and an under is when it comes to defensive line, you're going to need to learn that first. But it's it's amazing. It's super-duper cool. Now, on to theme three. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save, too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save, too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Wonder what this is. <laughs> the Vikings at the radars. And as usual, we start with the slideshow. Slide number one, injuries. Yep. Injury report. As of right now, Ed Ingram is questionable with a hip injury. A hip injury that he so supposedly suffered this week, earlier this mm-hmm. week. He uh, was not before Thursday. Uh-uh. Um, it was uh, something happened. I don't think it was contact. I think he just stretched, did something, and it's sore is what Coach O'Connell said in his press conference, and they're trying to work through that, so... Interesting. Uh, Theo Jackson is also questionable. He had an illness earlier in the week. He was limited this last year. He's full, I think, yesterday. But he was limited earlier because, hey, you could have the flu and you're not wanting to practice. Trust me. Um, so, But he's questionable. On the Raiders' side, the big one is right tackle, starting right tackle, Colton Miller, is out. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge for Daniil Hunter, which we'll get into here at the end. Uh, Max Crosby, who is also questionable and has not played all this week, or not practiced because he's had a knee infection, an infection in his knee. It's supposedly cleared out, but he's still got swelling and pain and whatever, which makes you wonder what's wrong with his knee. Um, He says he's going to play. He's going to play. That's the type of individual he is. He's going to play. And he's very good. Very, very good. Um, elite level good. 
You have uh, quarterbacks Brandon Fasion and linebacker Kenai Mwanga. If I pronounce that wrong, I apologize. They're both questionable as well. But that is it. And for this time of year, that's not bad. That's not a bad injury list. So we'll see what happens. We're a lot healthier than we have been, thanks to the bye week. It came at a good time. That helped a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, as always, we start with the quarterbacks because the battle of the quarterbacks gets you 80 to 90% of the wins. Who's the better quarterback? When we look at it, we've got Josh Dobbs versus Aiden, Aiden O'Connell. Josh Dobbs has dropped in his power ranking to 22. Shocker. Yeah, but we've got another weekend where we have a tie, a PFF tie. Aaron on Davenport, nobody has a clue when he's due back. Nobody. I've heard it, it could be soon, it could be longer. Nobody has a clue. Like you mentioned, he had surgery on the yeah. ankle right after he went on the IR, and uh, and yeah, For like some I think time he, after, yeah, and I think he's they they, they haven't designated him to return yet. Uh-uh. I don't think he's eligible until like next week, but we'll mm-hmm. find out when we get to the details of the quarterbacks. Here we see that uh, PFF grade Dobbs is better, and then we go down. With a clean, under pressure, big time throw, all that yada yada, in depth stuff. But when we get to power rankings, rating 0.5 for each, power ranking, rating ranks 22 for each. Just this is the second game in a row we've, where we've had a tie. They're basically the same. We get to the DVOA and DYAR stats. Um, O'Connell's a little bit better, but they're both subpar. Remember, minus numbers are below average. Plus numbers are above. And then we get to the Elias numbers, your box score numbers. We have Dobbs just a little bit better. Just for a place in the playoffs. <laughs> that's, and, uh, that's a comment about Davenport. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, um, and uh, But there you have it. Quarterbacks are real similar when it comes to grades and whatever. I'd give a slight edge to Josh Dobbs, but don't hold your breath overall. It's they're real close. And we get to offense versus defense. Vikings uh offense, PFF has this dropping to 22nd overall. DVOA has this dropping to 19th. That's what happens when you have two bad games in a row. Um pass 15th, run 29th, yards, we're still 10th, which stayed the same. We're 16th in passing, 28th in rushing, 16th in points. We'd like those numbers to go up, considering we were better last year on the offensive side. We've taken 27 sacks, and the biggest problem of the season so far, I highlight it, we're 32nd in giveaways with 24. (laughs) Yes, uh, And we have a minus 8 differential. God, that's horrible. Absolutely freaking horrible. Uh, When it comes to Raiders defense, they rank 27th per PFF. DVOA, they're 23rd, 18th against pass, 24th against the run. Yards, they're 20th, passing, they're 13th. Uh, Rushing, they're 25th. Points, they're 18th. 
Sacks, they've uh, they rank 22nd. They have 28. And takeaways, they rank 25th with 14. Vikings are favored by three, and the over-under is 40 and a half. I'd probably, well, I'm hoping to guess for the over on this one. When we flip the card, go defense versus offense. We have Vikings defense 11th going up. DVOA, they have them at 8th going up. 10th against pass, 6th against run. Runs improving. Um, Elias, Sports Bureau, we dropped one. We're down to 13th in yards, 18th against pass, 7th in rushing, 8th in points. We're 17th with 32 sacks, and we're 17th with 16 takeaways. Over on the offense of the Raiders, PFF has them ranked 27th overall. DVOA has them ranked 29th overall. Pass 27th and run 28th. Elias Sports Bureau has them 29th in yards, 21st in passing, 31st in rushing, uh, 27th in points. They've been sacked 28 times. They rank 27th in giveaways with 21, and they have a minus 7 differential. So it's real close, but the Vikings edge them out on both sides of the balls when you have offense versus defense. Whoop, which one? Don't lose this game, for God's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be my theme for the whole whole segment. <laughs> for the whole rest of the season. But, yes. Now, that brings us to special teams. Special teams. The Vikings stayed even at 30th per DVOA, which sucks. And the Raiders are 14th. Now, the Raiders on the kicking side... The Daniel Carlson side are minus, uh, a little bit below average on all their stuff. We are better on kick returns. That's the only thing we're doing better on. And then they beat us on punts and punt returns. So that is your special teams breakdown. They're a little bit better. The game. Uh, as you can see from those uh, numbers, Raiders don't really do a whole lot well. Um, only special teams, and they're pretty average at that. But uh, what the Vikings haven't done well this year is beat AFC West teams. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, other than the turnovers, which you mentioned, uh, if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to look back at the AFC West and their inability to win games is costing them big time because they're 0-3 against the AFC West right now, David. Uh, this is their last chance, last chance to to get a win against the AFC West. And of the four AFC West teams, three of them are would be are under five hundred uh, at this point. So these are not games that are we're playing world, world beaters here, but we just haven't been able to get a win yet. Tomorrow is our last chance to get a win against the AFC West, and the, the Las Vegas is a team that's certainly beatable. However, um, we've gotten kind of used to. Dave, I think uh, looking at under Mike Mark Davis as the owner of the of the philosophy of the Raiders being along with his bad haircut uh, that the, that the Raiders are like a dumpster fire of a franchise firing coaches and GMs regularly on the regular for the past fifteen years and having no success, very little success in doing so. Um, well, and that was continuing this year when they had Josh Daniels as a head coach, but then he got fired on Halloween. 
They replaced him with in as in uh, replaced him with Antonio Pierce, the former linebacker with with the New York Giants, as the interim head coach. And under Pierce, uh, the Raiders have been playing better. They've been playing harder, and they've been playing more inspired under Pierce. Uh, they right now are not a pushover. And we so you cannot assume, just like with the Bears last two weeks ago, we cannot assume that the Vikings will just roll into Allegiant Stadium and beat the Raiders because they're the Raiders. Uh, they're not the same Raiders team that they were under Josh McDaniels. And one of the things that he's changed is that he's mandated that they be, be more of a power football team and that they feed Josh Jacobs much more than they were doing under Josh McDaniels. And it's kind of working, or at least like Jacobs right now has um, in three of the four games where uh, Pierce has been the head coach, Jacobs has had 20 carries or more in each in those three of those four games. Whereas in the previous eight games under McDaniels, he only had two games where he had 20 carries or more. And in those three of the last four games, he's run for over hundred yards twice and got 98 yards once. Um, one other time. So uh, the, the Russian game has been a bit more effective under him, but there's also been a concerted effort to get uh, Jacobs the ball. The other thing to keep in mind is that the Raiders offense has Devontae Adams and they have Jacoby Myers and they're both having pretty good years. Although I think they're particularly Adams is a little bit underused, but those are guys that you have to account for in the passing game and you, they will, they will hurt you if you allow them to, uh, and that particularly what is happens and be the case if you allow their quarterbacks to have time to throw the ball. But so the, you know those are the big dogs on the Raiders' offense. Those are the guys you have to account for. It's going to be critical, critical for the Brian Flores to keep Josh Jacobs under control in this game, uh, limit the the consistent good runs. I mention this a lot of times, but I think it's really important with this team because uh, you. They invite, the Raiders have Aiden O'Connell, a rookie quarterback. This will be his fifth start in his NFL career. They have him running the show right now. If you let, um, if Jacobs is consistently getting O'Connell into second and short, third and short, where he can make safe throws, quick throws, get the ball out before we have, uh, we have our pressure as a chance to get to him, then I think that's going to be key to the Raiders moving the chains and you know at least getting in position to get points against us. Um, if we clamp down on Jacobs, I think, uh, that'll be, you know, the best route to success for us, uh, because if we don't, again, he's going to get the ball out short. And I think Myers and Devonte Adams, they're going to find holes in the zones that Flores plays and keep the change moving and keep the offense moving. And we don't want that. Um, in the Kansas City game, like O'Connell, again, O'Connell, you, we saw the the rankings. You had just put them up, Dave. Uh, O'Connell's, his stats are not that great. He's got four touchdown passes, six interceptions. You know, he's kind of below 64% completion percentage. But he's coming off his best game against the Chiefs. And in the Chiefs game, uh, the Raiders had their first drive. They marched the ball right down the field, scored a touchdown quite easily. They mixed in a lot of Devontae Adams, really got the ball to him a lot. Very successful. Second drive, uh, Jacobs ripped off, I think, a 90-yard touchdown run. They were up 14 to nothing early. Uh, now, the Chiefs figured it out. Pat Mahomes figured it out. The, the Chiefs' defense was just very good, played better as the game went on. But that is exactly the kind of start that the Vikings cannot have tomorrow <laughs> against the Raiders. Because 
we don't have Pat Mahomes. <laughs> and I am not convinced. And if Josh Dobbs or any of our quarterbacks down 14 nothing right off the jump is chasing the game is not the game plan, optimum game plan for the Vikings. So <laughs> that can't happen. Uh, and it did happen against the Chiefs. Uh, so I think, you know, we can't just assume that Adrian O'Connell is going to suck tomorrow uh, because he hasn't been great, but we've seen even this week, hey, what did Jake Browning do against a pretty good Jacksonville defense? He ripped them to shreds. Mm-hmm. Even Sappy Thursday night looked like sort mm-hmm. of a half decent quarterback, uh, and he was supposed to be completely terrible. So Aiden O'Connell hasn't been great, but he's not incompetent out there. We just have to keep that in mind. And again, getting Josh Jacobs and getting the Raiders running game under control is a big part, I think, of success for the Flores defense. Then you can unleash the pressures, the multiple blitzes, all that sort of stuff. Dave got a lot closer to us there. <laughs> yes, for some reason, he's my out. AI camera said, hey, let's... Um, I think offensively, my number one question, now that we know Dobbs is the QB, my number one question... A question mark for the Vikings to as long as he's quarterback, uh, or and that goes for actually Jaron Hall, uh, Jaron Hall or Nick Mullins as well. That's just where we are. But my number one concern question mark is going to be what quarterback are we getting this week? Are we getting the guy who played we saw in the second half against the Falcons, the first half against New Orleans, or the guy we saw the entire game against the Bears? If we get the guy we saw against Atlanta and New Orleans in the first half, we're in good shape. We get the guy we saw against the Bears. Well, you know, not so good. And um, yeah, you know, we, we talked. I talked about earlier uh, in the first segment about you know. I think Dobbs. You, I got to wonder about his mental state right now. I know he's smart. I know pro athletes are are wired to like mm-hmm. this game. I got to forget everything that happened before me. I just got to focus on this game and doing things right. But uh, you know that the I think I expect that the Vikings are going to try to do like. Get him in a rhythm early, try some safe throws, try the horizontal passing game, which makes sense, except the Vikings ain't good at the horizontal passing game. They're not very good at wide receiver screens and running back screens because our wide receivers can't block worth a shit. (laughs) (laughs) But we have this guy, so it may be more vertical on instead of that horizontal to get going. Uh, Yeah, I uh, so I... Like, I wonder about, like, Mullins, who knows the leash is going to be short. Uh, like, how free and easy is he going to play? I think it's better when players are, of course, playing free and easy, not worrying about if they make a mistake that they're going to get pulled. He knows the leash is going to be short. Is he going to play tight? Is he going to play too safe? Uh, that is one thing I, I worry, along with the turnovers. But uh, the good news, like you said, is, hey, Justin Jefferson's back. That's good, right? That's great. Uh, that's Fantastic. obviously good. That's obviously got to help any offense. The Vikings offense is better with Justin Jefferson there than when he's not. And he says he's 100% healthy and explosive, good to go. That is great. Um, However, however, uh, (laughs) pessimistic Darren here, knowing that we don't have Kirk Cousins as our quarterback. Uh, We've got Josh Dobbs starting tomorrow. Like Dobbs, has the, his favorite target has been TJ Hawkinson. And all year with the Cardinals, he threw to the tight ends more than anybody else. So I'm just wondering what the connection is going to be. Like, is he going to be able to see 
Justin Jefferson open and get him the ball the way Kirk Cousins could. Uh, we saw how Jordan Addison's production has dipped since Dobbs has been the quarterback compared to what it was when when Kirk Cousins was his quarterback and Justin Jefferson was out. Well, I just don't think it's a given that hey, JJ's back. He's automatic for eight catches, 120 yards tomorrow. I don't know. I just I'd love to see it. So. it what happens. <laughs> But with the Dobbs, Justin Jefferson connection, don't know how that's going to work yet. On the other hand, the Raiders secondary is not very good. They've got guys like Jacorian Bennett in there. They just cut Marcus Peters. Uh, it's not a very good secondary. So that is a matchup that the Vikings certainly can exploit, I think, if Dobbs is up to the task. Um, remains to be seen whether that's part it. of that's going to be getting time to throw against that secondary. And that's the other thing. We For this game, the Vikings' offensive line needs to have a bounce-back game against Las Vegas because against the Bears, uh, they put in their worst pass-blocking performance I've seen in a while. Uh, Dobbs was under pressure a lot. The Bears only really needed, often only used four, got it with four guys. And this guy, Brian O'Neill, was like one of the problems. Uh, he was credited with giving up two sacks, six pressures. He had a PFF pass blocking rate of 44.7, which is the worst since his rookie year in 2018. So he had a tough, tough time. Um, real tough. And, and he wasn't the only one. No, 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 but, no. But he, yes, he had a no good, very bad, horrible day himself. Yes. Um, so he needs to really bounce back, particularly because he's likely going to be blocking that Max Crosby guy a lot. And Crosby is a tremendous, tremendous player. Um, kind of an odd player, Dave, because you look at the photo, right? Like he's not look at the long arms, long, skinny arms. Doesn't look like he's a power player at all. Look, the legs aren't even really that big. I think Makai Blackman's got bigger legs. Um, <laughs> well, he's but, not exactly a small man, but oh, yes, no, he's not, he seems out of proportion, but he's not like the thicker, like mm-hmm. Daniel Hunter could probably bench press Max Grosby a couple of times, like, like uh, but, but he's just, out like the motor the explosiveness um like he's just a guy that like he's very skilled but got great burst but also just plays even after the whistle he's just got a one of the best motors i've ever seen and you just got to play him to the whistle and even after it and and so you can't allow him direct the game and and the vikings have like tackle wise like uh, two weeks ago, the Chiefs had a very good plan against Crosby. I think he, he still got a sack, but he didn't really he didn't make the noise he normally does. And they had uh, they had uh, running backs chip on him. They had tight ends chipping on him almost every play. He had two or three blockers devoted to him every play, and that was a very good plan. I think it worked very well. Um, now O'Neill and Derisaw are quite capable of handling one-on-one if they have to, but I don't think it's a bad idea for the Vikings to have a similar plan in place because as a defensive end or any player, if every snap you're getting bumped and blocked by more than one guy or guys you can't even see, that just wears on you. And he's got a knee injury right now. He didn't even finish the game against the Chiefs. They took him out very late uh, because he was hurting bad. So um, I think that... That's going to be key, having a plan for Crosby, because if he doesn't get home, probably nobody on the Raiders is getting home. And well, again, if, they got Koontz on the other side. Koontz yeah. will be going against Derisaw most of the day, whereas Crosby mm-hmm. are going against O'Neal, and there are normal alignments. Koontz is okay. 
He's Crosby's got 11 and a half sacks. Kuntz has 2.5 sacks. So right. I'm not saying he's capable of getting in there, but consistently, I don't think he's going to be the problem that Max Crosby no. is. No. And the problem will come from the offensive right side. Now, another thing the Vikings are going to have to do and clean up, along with winning those one on one battles, but the, the Bears did a lot of like, they brought a lot of guys up, like Flores likes to do in that game, up in the line of scrimmage. They often backed out and only rushed four. But as uh, Jeremiah Searles and Alex Boone were saying in their tape review, is that they ran stunts on him, and we didn't handle those very well. And so Raiders saw that. They're going to try to do the same thing to see if we've, we've, mm-hmm. we've fixed that problem, if we got answers to that. And if we don't, could be a long day for the or frustrating day for the Vikings offense once again. And that guy there, Spillane, pretty mm-hmm. good player. Yeah, and he'll be the one that's coming in behind the defensive yeah. lineman. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you're right. This guy is the the biggest threat on the defense to slowing the Vikings offense down. Mm-hmm. And even if you've got him blocked initially, if you hold on to the ball and you're looking for a guy to get open, he'll chase you down like nobody's business and take you down. So you got to you gotta be on him the whole time from start of the play until the whistle is blown, and even after that. Aaron says one chop block. Not that we'd <laughs> advocate for something illegal right. like that, Aaron. No way, Aaron. No, certainly not. Don't want to see that happen at all. There's no place for that in this game. That's right. Now, on the opposite side, I told you I wanted to finish up. We talked about the right tackle for the Las Vegas Raiders being out. This man right here is going to have some fun or should have some fun tomorrow because that's who he lines up against, and he's going up against somebody that's coming in off the bench. And uh, I can't wait to see. I'm hoping for a multi-sack day by Daniil Hunter. Every sack is padding up those incentive numbers. <laughs> yep, get that extra bonus because I think he needs a half a sack to hit that last bonus. And, yeah. uh, and I do believe he will get it. Now well, he's been so consistent. Just every game he gets at least one sack. Like not not a lot of like he said one three sack game, but just yeah, rarely getting shut out. Very consistent this year. Narsfius says one dead soldier. Narsfius, my hat's off to you. And that grain belt, I'm sure it went to a good cause. <laughs> now, on this picture, what I found out interesting when I uh, clipped this picture and then did the cartoon thing to it, can you see what's in his right hand? I can't, actually, Dave. I don't have my glasses on. Just get the contact, oh. so... Yeah, I can't zoom in like they did in the younger uh, days. Well, here, I can zoom in. Was it smelling salts? Yep, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. He's got it out on the field, which I think is cool. Um, Give him a little pick-me-up. Uh-huh, it clears the mind, without a doubt. It just, you do that, and there's, whoa! <laughs> yeah, I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm thinking straight. Quarterback kill. Yes. <laughs> That's the way that works. Now, uh, before we go, I do want to put out, I saw people remarking on it earlier. If you know Tyler Fornes, member here at Vikings First and Skull, one of the original founders, along with me and Darren, 
His dog, Eclair, passed away in the sleep last night. You know, uh, he had rescued her from a puppy mill, and she'd had issues with epilepsy, and they didn't know quite what caused it while she passed away last night. So if you know him, shoot him a message, extend your uh, condolences, because I'm sure he and his wife, Caitlin, are hurting over losing that precious little doggy. And... With that, we've got football tomorrow, and I can't wait. And it's the afternoon game, so we got to wait through that noon clocker and then get it at three. I'll be I'll be watching the uh, Bears, that team from Wisconsin game, likely, just to kind of see if the Bears can give them some trouble. And I'm hoping that's the case, that they do. And the Bears, when I did the... Uh, who will be king? The NFC North Roundup Show, which you can get on Vikings First and Skull podcast feed, which is pretty fun because uh, we do it with Bears podcaster and a couple of Lions podcasters. And we don't have a Packers one anymore because we chased the first one away. Um, <laughs> if we'd like another one, because we need, you know, somebody to pick on. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> the Bears are hoping since they play, they play obviously the Packers. Tomorrow, they also play him in week 17. And they are hoping that, especially week 17, that if they beat the Packers, they drive them out of the um, playoffs if yeah. they're that close. Or they can start by doing it tomorrow. So let's hope they do that. And with that, any last words there, buddy? I just want to say that... Uh, we didn't get to it, but an important point, Caleb Evans is uh, good to go and play tomorrow. Uh, and uh, you may have noticed, but in the two games that Caleb Evans wasn't playing, the Vikings lost them. So clearly it's all Caleb Evans' fault, ah. not Josh Dobbs' fault that we lost the last two games. Yep, you got it. See, that's brilliant, brilliant observation by a blogger that's been doing this over two and a half decades, or close to two and a half decades, publicly. Mr. Darren Campbell. Research right there. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. I hope you have the rest of a great weekend. We'll see you tomorrow live at the two-minute warning. Yeah, don't forget that. Tune in. Yeah, when we go live, you can watch the last two minutes with me and react when everybody comes on. Hopefully, Tyler, maybe Jonas from Germany. If we can twist an arm of Darren every once in a while, but we'll have a good time talking about what we just saw, and hopefully we're celebrating a victory first time in a few weeks and uh, having a good time. So join us tomorrow. It's real simple. At the two-minute warning, we go live. That's why we call it live at the two-minute warning, and we'll be here having a great time. Until then, like I said, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy your friends, family, good food, good beverage, especially good beverage. Can't go wrong with that. Stay safe. Do not go driving while in in under intoxication, unlike a Mr. Wes Phillips. If you hadn't heard, he was popped last night for a DUI. Um, don't do that. There's plenty of rides available. But enjoy yourself, and we will see you tomorrow. What do we say, Darren? We say school Vikings. School Vikings. And thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. 
Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save, too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save, too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.